COVID-19, oh, we need a vaccine at this moment. It means everything. Please wear your mask and stay six feet back. Total shutdown. COVID-19. From the East Bank of the Flats, it's Two Middle-Aged Men in Cleveland, featuring author and motivational speaker, Scott Fedor. And now, French Open doubles champions, Ken Gorsnick and Ted Block. Ted, we've moved on to the fine month of November, Two Middle-Aged Men in Cleveland, a couple quick items of note. This will be an election-free show. We're not going to talk about the election. We're not talking about who won, who lost. We're not talking about any of that. This is an election-free zone. Hey, how was your Halloween? It was excellent. I didn't know what to expect. I know we always goof around on this show, but I'm going to be serious for two seconds. With everything going on in our country, how things have been with the COVID and all that stuff, I had no idea what to expect when it came to trick-or-treating. Everyone did everything they were supposed to do. Everyone was super nice, very excited to be walking around. There's a lot of social distancing. My kids got tons of candy. We made it one street, and I think my daughter was going to break her back by the amount of candy she had in her bag. <laughs> but it was just awesome. I mean, it's I mean, to an extent, you get a little bit emotional about the whole thing. It's like, all right, here's all the different things we're dealing with our country, and all these people are out here and it's important to them to hand out the candy and all that stuff. My kids never touched one piece of candy. It was either given to them in a plastic bag or somebody would take tongs and grab the candy and put it in their bag. It was, it was great. How about for you guys? It was great. My wife made the observation when we were done that this was actually a better Halloween than other years because it wasn't as crowded. The other thing that happened, a lot of folks, obviously social distancing, I lost track of how many folks had tubes and things like that. And is that overkill? Is it not? Who cares? That's what they're doing. But I'll tell you this, from the kids' perspective, they thought it was cool. Yes. They're like, oh, wow, I get to put my, my bag at the end of this thing and shoot, the thing comes down. There was one gentleman had his front door open and he had robots that could clutch things. And he would roll the robots back to himself, put another whatever the candy was in the robot's hands, drive them over to the door. They drop them into your bag. It was tremendous. That's so awesome. We had a great time. I'm glad. And hopefully everyone else had a great Halloween. And uh, obviously you throw that whole thing into the mix. And then you have a full moon as well, which made it really neat. And an extra night, extra hour of sleep, which was nice too. So, Yeah. Now, if my kids would just sleep longer, we'd be all set. <laughs> By the way, I don't know if you noticed, did you see, I was kind of disappointed. They pushed the, the Boston Marathon back. It's not going to be on Patriots Day next year. They're going to I push it back to that. later in the year so they can try to have it regular. Okay. Are you training for the Boston Marathon? This year, I did not do the Boston. I know it was virtual, but I did not do the Boston Marathon this year because of COVID. Okay. Yeah. But it could happen next year. Is that what you're trying to say? Are you well, basically announcing everyone that you're going to train? Or? Years past, I haven't done it because I'm just fat, old, and out of shape. But this year was COVID was what prevented me from doing from running the yep. Boston Marathon. Yep. My walking speed is not fast enough that I can qualify. So right. I guess I could try again next year. 
Well, coming up on the show, we're going to talk with motivational speaker Scott Fedor. An unbelievable story from him turning a negative, probably you could say a lot of negatives, into a positive. Also, a woman is accused of posing as a prosecutor in her own court case. We'll explain that in Klopp's clips, and we will see how things are going in fantasy football. Cleveland! This is for you! Ted, I know this is your favorite segment because you're a Clevelander and you love to learn about history each and every week when we have some. Well, I think sometimes we may have experienced some of this history. I would say that is correct as well. (laughs) So we're going to turn to November 8th, 1993. Let's Mm -hmm. see. I was a uh, junior in high school. Where were you at that time? I was a senior at Ashland University. Well, on this day, Browns players and Cleveland fans are stunned, angry, and sad over the release of quarterback Bernie Kosar by Browns coach Bill Belichick, ending Kosar's eight-year career with the team. Do you recall this story of Bill Belichick being nicknamed the Little Pig? Of all the memories in my head, that's not one of them. So the story is Mike Trevisano was on the air (laughs) and he called Bill Belichick the little pig about 15 times. But that was one of the most controversial releases of a player in the history of Cleveland sports. Diminishing skills, Ken. Yep. He was released because he had diminishing skills and instead they chose to go with Vinny Testaverde. Now, Vinny Vinny Testaverde did quite well. Bernie Kosar... Went to the Cowboys. What did he get when he was with the Cowboys, Ken? He got a ring. He got a, a ring. Super Bowl ring. Yeah, yes. a real nice one. And, of course, there's that infamous story. Did Bernie Kosar punch Bill Belichick in the tunnel? There's only two people, maybe a couple more, if there was anybody nearby, that will know that answer. And nobody's talking. Nope. But what, we'll a, never know. what an unbelievable time. The headlines, the talk shows. Whew. What a time to be a Browns fan. I mean, as everyone knows, he was at that time the man, the myth, the legend during all those wonderful playoff years the Browns had in the 80s and then obviously the, in the early 90s. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I was, I was a little bit sad. But at the same time, I knew he was starting to get a little bit older, had taken a lot of punishment for years, and the Browns were kind of going a different direction. And, well, hey, not too long after that, they didn't have a team for a couple of years. So it's not like he could have played for us for another five to six years. How many other players said, I want to play in Cleveland? And it was set up in a way where it wasn't, he wasn't even part of a draft. It was a right. supplemental draft that he basically said, I'm going to go play here. And so all of a sudden, here we go. He's going to be the backup for Gary Danielson, you know, in the early 80s. And then it just yep. went on from there. You ever look at those YouTube videos from the games and you just see how awkward he was, but yet you couldn't argue with the results. No, and he was probably one of the most intelligent quarterbacks to to ever play in a Browns uniform. I mean, that guy was drawing up plays in the sand. I mean, he would have his conversations with Marty Schottenheimer. Hey, we should be doing this, that, and the other. And obviously, you got to remember at that time, we're talking about the early 90s, they did not have, you know, headsets in the helmets. So these guys were basically going to the huddle, calling the play, looking at what they saw on the field and then making a change, they were doing that all on their own. I mean, yep. there were offensive coordinators, but it was a much different time. And obviously Bernie Kosar is certainly a fan favorite till this day. 
uh, of Browns fans. And uh, yeah, that was certainly a sad day on November 8th, 1993. Cleveland! This is for you! Have you heard about Anchor? I'm not talking about the one for a boat. This is the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. It's free. There are creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcast, and many more. You can make money for your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Blah, blah, blah. 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 Today's guest is a professional keynote speaker, author, and a disability advocate. His blogs have been featured across several media outlets, including U.S. News and World Report. He suffered a broken neck and was left paralyzed after a diving accident. He is the founder and president of Getting Back Up, a nonprofit that assists spinal cord injured individuals. Prior to his injury, he served as vice president of Berkshire Hathaway Subsidiary. He is an advocate member of the Adversity 2 Advocacy Alliance, a Los Angeles-based nonprofit which promotes turning personal challenges into services to others. He also serves as a board member for LEAP, a nonprofit which assists individuals living with disabilities. He grew up in the Cleveland area attending IWA, St. Ignatius High School, and graduated from Lehigh University with a degree in finance and Mandarin Chinese. He also got an MBA from the University of Michigan. He published a book in July 17, 2019 called Headstrong, How a Broken Neck Strengthened My Spirit. Recently, this same book was made an audiobook. Let's talk with Scott Fedor. Scott, an absolute pleasure to talk with you, sir. How are you today? I am doing great. Thank you guys for inviting me on. It's been a long time since we had the chance to catch up. You've been a very inspirational person in many people's lives in the last 11 years of your life. Talk about how you've taken a life-threatening spinal cord injury to being an inspirational speaker and positive role model for many people. It's not a position I ever envisioned finding myself in. Unfortunately, in 2009, I suffered a diving accident when I dove into some shallow water, fractured my neck at the C3, C4 level, and it was very severe. I had um, broken all the uh, vertebrae from C1 to C6 at the C3 levels where the spinal cord was severed, ultimately drowned, was rescued, did a rehab stint for six months. I was on the ventilator, had to learn to breathe again, had to learn just little things like being able to sit up and trying to regulate my blood pressure and tolerate position changes. And then spent 14 months in a nursing facility just trying to get any semblance of independence back. Now today I'm still paralyzed from the neck down with no real movement other than a shoulder shrug, but I'm able to breathe on my own, run an independent lifestyle as far as 
some of the technology I have in my house and, and being able to use a computer and other things. So I have a great friend support and great um, family support that, you know, has made the adjustment about as smooth as it could be, all things considered, from a life-altering injury. Now, along that way, as I was working my rehab and, and kind of these, probably about a year or two into the uh, injury, I was asked to speak at Metro Health in Cleveland at their spinal cord injury forum. And I was happy to get up there, share my story, and really found it not just cathartic, but easy to kind of tell my story in a way that helped benefit others and letting them know what to expect, uh, that they're not alone, that things do get better, that you can live a very happy and fulfilling and productive life. And that opportunity to just share my story ultimately lit a spark in me and, and led to me wanting to do this full time as, as far as speaking and trying to reach out and help people. And that launched a motivational career. It launched the opportunity for me to get involved with some of the different advocacy organizations that you mentioned. And up until that point in my time before my injury, it really kind of had a marketing career, marketing products and services. And that career kind of parlayed into you know, marketing an idea, not just myself, but that idea of perseverance through difficult times, the importance of faith uh, as well. So I think I'm doing exactly what I want to be doing in life and what I'm supposed to be doing, but it was a different and interesting path, to say the least, that took me here and not one that I had envisioned. So Scott, your book, uh, Headstrong, talks about uh, the injury that you suffered and some of the difficult situations that you faced. You kind of touched on this a little bit, but how long of a process was it to get the book together and difficult to relive those experiences or was it cathartic like you mentioned when you spoke? I was never planning on writing a book and just from the interactions I was having with other people telling my story and people I would meet, it was other people that encouraged me more and more to really put a book out there. And I have a blog on my website, it's called Stand Strong and for several years from the time of the injury up until you know today i've been writing blogs keeping updates on my situation and it's kind of evolved more into a self-living philosophy type of blogs that i share but a lot of people were reading those and benefiting from those and just kept the comment section kept saying you really need to write a book so i started to give some thought to it maybe around 2015 time frame i sat down and actually wrote kind of a memoir of my life up until the point of injury. And then I stopped writing. I thought, do I have a story to tell? Sure, I, I've gotten hurt. Um, I busted up my neck pretty good, but I'm not alone. There's thousands of people out there with impressive stories or people that overcome adversity. And I really didn't think that I had done anything to warrant you know, a, a book or telling a story. And ultimately, a story started to form with some of the things I was doing and those same people, those same pleas that were out there, hey, you really got to get this story, if, if not for yourself, for others, because you don't realize how much you're benefiting people. So that's when I sat down and, and probably spent about another year crafting the second half of the story. That was very cathartic, very emotional, a lot of ups and downs. Um, it wasn't so that as I wrote it, it was tough to write because let's face it, I'm, I'm living this every day. I was able to deal with the emotional ups and downs of the injury, but it was more about talking about past relationships that I had had that had um, 
some had deteriorated, other new relationships had blossomed, um, just different opportunities that had been presented to me as a result of my situation. That was very cathartic and where most of the emotion came in. A lot of people have reached out to me and told me how moved they were by this story and how it's really helped them. Now, one of the stories in the book involves you and an experience you had with some guy named Springsteen. I think his <laughs> first name is Bruce. I'm not sure. Yeah, he's, uh, a, he's, a, lot of, he's a stranger to money. Yeah, yeah, yeah the boss. Uh, can you tell us about that? Yeah, I've always been a huge Springsteen fan. While I was injured, my friends would come visit with me. And fortunately, I have some very musically inclined friends. And they all brought their guitars in tow and sat along my bedside and just jammed music all afternoon. And most of the stuff we played was Springsteen. And then had the opportunity in 2012, Springsteen came to Cleveland as part of his Wrecking Ball tour. And I got four tickets for myself and the three, those same three guys that were, uh, you know, that were at my bedside playing. And the night before the concert, I just, as a long shot, happened to send an email to the PR folks at, at Springsteen's, um, you know, and in his camp and basically said, hey, I'm going to be at this concert. There's a song I love. If there's any way he could play this song I've never heard in concert, I'd appreciate it. And kind of went on to tell him what Springsteen's music meant to me and how I had been through this injury and never heard back, didn't expect much of it. Next day, we're at the concert that evening. He had played the song that I had requested, which I had never heard from, and I was just, you know, stoked he had played it. And I thought that was the end of it. And then a few songs later, right before he started up another song, one of his newer songs called We Are Alive, in that gravelly voice of his says, this is from my friend Scott. And I'm oh, like, man. whoa, wait a minute. And Damien just looks at me and shakes me and gets this huge smile. He's like, that was you. And then the lights, the house lights came on, the song was over. And one of the um, ushers comes to our seat and they go, okay, we need you guys to follow us. So we kind of follow them out and they take us this big service freight elevator. And then when the doors open, we're behind the stage. And I look at Damon and I'm like, oh my God, is this happening? And Damon's got this big smile. He's like, oh, I hope so. I just keep praying to the Holy Spirit that it is. <laughs> and, uh, I roll out there and they tell us to wait there a minute and someone wanted to come see me. And a few minutes later, Bruce Springsteen himself is talking to us, having a conversation. We're talking about my situation. We're talking about him, talking about the show, some of the songs, the music he played. And it was just a surreal experience. You've done a lot of speaking with high school students and having them read your book. Talk about speaking with students and what are some of the questions that you get asked? You know, I've spoke from all age levels as, as well as companies and businesses, but you know, you'd be surprised. It's um, things like, you know, how do you, how do you go to the bathroom? What do you have to have people help you do? And questions that are pretty mature, pretty intense, I would think for, for a younger kid to ask, but you can see by the way they ask these, it's, it's not because they, you know, they think it's funny or, or there's a morbid curiosity but they genuinely have been captivated by my story. And I think in some way are, are start to understanding that there are people out there who are capable of doing things, but can no longer do them and, and they need help. And I, and I think what I take away from it is that there's always a sensitivity that some of these kids discover when I speak with them that I hope they can take with them 
So as they go off in their day and they continue with their lives, they are now more sensitive to people with, uh, you know, living with a disability or who might not be as well off as they are. And they understand that, you know, you're not just seeing someone in a wheelchair. It is a real person. And that person has a story. And unfortunately, something bad happened to them that can happen to anyone. So I think it does give them appreciation for, for their life as well as a situation that others have gone through. Well, Scott, uh, thank you so much for the information and your time. We're not going to let you go yet. Uh, would you be willing to join us for a game of Who Am I, Cleveland? Sure, absolutely. That sounds like fun. And now, great moments in a parenting. My 10-year-old nephew was laying on the floor in his house listening to his mother read. His 8-year-old sister apparently simply walked up and farted on his head. My nephew was indifferent, but his mother was not happy. My niece was grounded. Her explanation, quote, I had to do it. He was there. This has been great moments in parenting. Fantasy football time now. Chancellor Klopp here to talk with Ken Dworznik and, of course, our fantasy football guru, winner of our fantasy league last year, Eowyn Adams, whose team is, well, currently two and six, but who's counting, right? Hello? I have no comments. <laughs> I think maybe it's a situation now that Awen is tanking for next year. Well, and is that what it is? Trevor Lawrence. Maybe that's okay. what she's trying to do. All right. Well, yeah. Awen, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to give you a positive. You're not in last place. <laughs> so you lost this week. You had a 115.2 output against you from the Little Giants. Jared Goff had 17.8 points. Don't you normally want more than that from your quarterback? Yeah, I mean, my biggest issues were Goff, obviously, but I had Godwin out and Miles Sanders out. So that, that didn't help me at all. And then when your opponent's quarterback gets almost 44 points, it's not what you're looking for. No. Ken, the Polish Cripplers got a win this week. You almost got to 100 points. You got 97.3. And you beat the woeful Bengal Express, who did score 85.9 points. Yeah, I'm pleased. I mean, it helps that with the Bengals Express, no pun intended, they play a lot of Bengals. So if they play well that week, you need to be concerned. This week they did play well, but obviously great points from Lamar Jackson, Todd Gurley, who actually has been a huge surprise for me this year. Many people thought he was over the hill. He's one of the top scoring running backs in the lead. He had 10 points. Josh Jacobs, who I think ran the ball 85 times this past week <laughs> against the Browns, he had 12 points. And then Allen Robinson, who was uh, at the last moment, he finally played because everyone was concerned he's in concussion protocol. He actually scored 14 points. So, nice. Um, now, I noticed that you started two Las Vegas Raiders this week. Did that have to do with 
their opponent, or is that just the way your lineup shook out? Well, I had a ton of guys on by this week. Um, Will Fuller was on by. I have had a, a couple other folks that have actually been scoring pretty well for me. DeAndre Hopkins was on by, and then also McLaren from uh, the Redskins. So I was kind of forced to play Hunter Renfro, and I, I was certainly very surprised he scored a touchdown. Hunter Renfro did not score a touchdown. That was not a catch. That's true. <laughs> Some people are concerned with that. But. Okay. Well, let's look at the Turf Toes, who bounced back from an embarrassing loss last week to the hopeless Bengal Express. Dalvin Cook did okay, didn't he? Wow. He had yeah, four he had touchdowns, 160-some yards, 46.6 points. But, Ted, without Dalvin, without Dalvin Cook in there, you would have had, like, 75 points. <laughs> had his... 45-point game. I'm sorry. So. Wait a minute. What did you say? Dalvin Cook. No, 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 no. Before that. Normal. No. 50. How did you, how did you address me? <laughs> I said Ted. How should you address me? Ted Klopp. No. Theodore it, Klopp. It's Chancellor to you, young lady. Chancellor. Erica's oh. husband. Now, you're saying, oh, well, you got all your points from Dalvin Cook. Yeah, I got a lot of points from Dalvin Cook. That's why I drafted him. That's why I protected him. Yeah. It's like playing the stock market is what this thing is. All right. Well, anyhow, I won. Now, hey, Ellen, did you dress up for Halloween this week? Um, I did. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to hit you with the tough questions early here. Well, I dressed up for about two hours, and then yeah. I took it off. So it was what, like a halfway thing. What did you dress up as? Not anything in particular. I kind of just took some stuff from around the house and glued some spiders to a shirt and put some makeup on. That was the extent of my costume. What was the purpose for dressing up? Well, it was Ken's uh, weekend with the kids. A little different this year, but, you know, with COVID. But we did we did go trick-or-treating, which was nice. It was good to do something normal, right, even though it was a little different than past years, but everybody where we live, you know, they had tables out with candy and individually packaged and the whole thing. So it was good. And, and it was, it was just nice to hear like kids doing normal kid things and people relaxing a little bit and having fun. So, um, so it was good. We had a good time. I dressed like a mental patient for about 30 minutes. I wore a robe and then I found a beard that actually is meant to have a beer in it. So it had a little bit of a, how do I say that, tube hanging out. So it looks like I was wearing a catheter out of my beard. So I opted not to wear that the rest of the evening because I was concerned if I wore that outfit that the children would not get any candy because uh, they would think that the person they're with is from an insane asylum. So I opted out of that and dressed in normal clothes. That's a veteran move right there. How All about right. you guys, Ted? I didn't see I did not dress clothes. up. I dressed up as a middle-aged man. Am I... See any My, pictures of the kids dressed up? The kids dressed up. We had a SWAT team member. We had a skeleton. And we had Robin from Batman and Robin. Mm. I enjoy seeing all the kids in their costumes. Yeah, yeah, that, that's a lot of fun. It's always interesting to see what the popular costumes are and what some of the unique ones are. All right, well, that's our look at fantasy football and a little bit extra this week. So best of luck to the two of you since you're not playing me. That'll work out.
And we will uh, reconvene uh, later this season to see how things are going. Yeah, let's let's hope I can turn it around, right? I, I need to get on a little bit of a winning streak. Let's go. So. Let's get it done. Come on. <sighs> Fantasy football. Three ninety seven. Hear ye, hear ye. Here's a look at an odd law. In Minnesota, dirty tires are banned. Tires that deposit mud, dirt, or other debris on a street or highway are considered a public nuisance. An interesting way to keep the streets clean. most trusted name in journalism, Klops Clips. Here we go, Ken, with another collection of the news you probably don't know and probably should. This week's collection of Klops Clips. A homeowners association in Richmond, Texas, felt that a Halloween display went too far. Angela Nava's display featured pole dancing skeletons, and dollar bill waving customers. She says her neighbors have been supportive and she was simply trying to provide some laughs in a difficult year. The HOA did not agree. They did not see the humor and they sent her a letter telling her to remove the display. I don't know how that would go over with the kids. So let's say you were walking around the fine Cleveland Heights area and you saw this type of display. I mean, would that be, wow, look at that. Isn't that great? Look at that, kids. Not going to work, I don't think. Along the lines of, hey, look over there. Wasn't there a big noise over in that direction? Let's move quickly. Oh, my gosh. In Los Angeles, a man attacked Donald Trump's star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame with a pickaxe. James Otis then turned himself in and made arrangements to pay four grand in restitution for the damage. This is the second time in a month he's attacked the president's star. He previously dressed up as the Incredible Hulk and tried tried to smash it. What? <laughs> I think uh, hang many on. people will be glad hang when on. this election's over. Oh. Joe Biden and the Democrats are not immune to this sort of stuff. Police in Haines City, Florida, say a man stole a bulldozer from a construction site and used it to take out campaign signs for Joe Biden. 26-year-old James Blight also knocked over several city signs. Blight claims he was too drunk at the time to recall what he did. He's now facing several charges. Well, at least he's got an excuse. I mean, I heavy drinking was involved. I, I don't know. Was James Otis also hammered when he was taking his pickaxe and taking I, out the Trump star? I don't know. I hope not. A guy, drunk guy with a pickaxe doesn't sound like no. a recipe for anything good. Or if he was dressed up as the Hulk in Hamlet. I don't know. We'll see. I want to see the video. He dresses up as the Hulk. And oh, yeah. And nothing happens. What is his reaction? Something's straight out of the Avengers. Woman in Florida went into labor last week, and on the way to the hospital, she asked her husband to stop at the Board of Elections to vote. The woman apparently stayed in the car while her husband went inside, waited in line, and asked poll workers to help. One of the poll workers went to the car, found the woman 
breathing heavily, checked her ID, and then gave her a mail-in ballot. But the woman, the pregnant woman that is, the woman in labor, she filled out the ballot right then and there and turned it in, getting an I voted sticker. She then headed to the hospital. Now the elections office didn't release the woman's name, so we do not have any information on how that birth turned out. She was determined to vote. God bless her. That is a That's great. person taking their civic responsibility seriously. No adversity oh. is going to stop her. She's going to vote. And she has a sticker. Perfect. Sticker? I don't even know them. A woman facing several charges in New Hampshire used the state's electronic system to pose as the prosecutor and drop the charges against her. According to court documents, 33-year-old Lisa Landon was trying to avoid jail time, but a forensic examiner apparently helped spot the falsification. And guess what? She now faces additional charges. Oh, sometimes when you play with fire, you get burned. Poor Lisa. She tried. She really did. Just didn't work out. <laughs> I rest my case. Well said. And that is this week's collection of Klopp's Clips. Ted Klopp here for Westminster AV, offering custom audio-visual packages for all occasions, including business meetings, weddings, graduations, banquets, and more. So if you're looking to transform an in-person event to virtual, Westminster AV has a variety of solutions for you. Pharmaceutical companies hosting dinner events can find plenty of professional support from Westminster AV. No event too big nor too small. More information can be found by going to westminsterav.com or give them a call 216-325-6960. All right, we are back with Scott Fedor. Scott, we are going to play Who Am I? You'll be competing against Mr. Klopp. Mm -hmm. This is a game in which I will ask five questions. You will try to name the person, place, or thing that has a Cleveland connection. Following the five questions, we'll also have multiple choice answers. And if you have an answer at any time, let us know if you know the answer. We'll go to it. All right, clue one. <laughs> this person was born in Warren, Ohio in 1969 and grew up to be considered one of the most influential musicians in the last 20 years. Okay, move on to clue two. This person has appeared on the Saturday Night Live show 13 times since 1992 with three different bands as well as Mick Jagger and also Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. During his appearances, he played drums for one band and was the lead singer and guitarist for another. He has appeared on this show more than any other musician. Clue number three. In 2012, this person was estimated as the third wealthiest drummer behind Ringo Starr and Phil Collins uh, uh, and estimated $260 million. Scott, think, your guess. Is it Dave Grohl? It is David Grohl. You are the winner. How about that? I didn't realize that he grew up in Warren, Ohio until I was putting some stuff together today. Yeah, I didn't realize that he's been on... $60 million for, uh, as a drummer. For and that's playing all, drums. That's all with Nirvana. That's crazy. I didn't realize he's played on Saturday Night Live more than anyone else. 
Yeah, I couldn't believe that either. That, to be honest yeah, that with you. was a. Clearly, from the amount of responses I gave, I didn't know those items either. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was interesting. Yeah, see, you learn something new every day. Yeah. Well, Scott, congratulations. Uh, most times with our guests, we give them a dirty sock, but uh, I figure <laughs> we could find something more appropriate for you. But uh, obviously, before we let you go here, specifically with your foundation, you want to give out some contact information, how someone could give support or, or any sure. other uh, types of things you want to promote sure. at this time? Getting Back Up is the name of the foundation. You can find us online at gettingbackup.org. And if you know someone who's suffered a spinal cord injury and they need assistance, check us out because um, we provide grants to help with various products and services. And as far as myself, you can reach me at scottwfedor.com. All my information's on there as far as uh, social media, contact, uh, information about the book. You can find it where any books are sold um, online or, you know, in, in stores. And, and, um, and then there's a blog there. And, and for anyone that does go to my site, if you subscribe to the site, you'll get a free ebook I wrote that's a collection of some of my top uh, blog posts over the past 10 years. So that's a little uh, freebie you get just for signing up. But feel free to contact me, reach out with any questions you might have, whether it's about my story or, or how I can help someone else. I figured we needed to play this game because I'll tell you a quick story. Scott and I went to St. Ignatius at the same time. Someone put together an arm wrestling tournament for football players. You beat me first round. Didn't have a chance. <laughs> my arm went back so fast, and I'm like, oh, here I am. I'm a pretty strong guy. No, took me down like nothing. Look at that. You know, I'll tell you, you're just full of surprises today, Kenny. I, uh, now that you mention it, I do vaguely remember. I think you were crying, and you went and hid in the, in the locker room for about five hours after that, right? That sounds about right, and that was a daily basis thing for me, too. Yeah. So, yes. No, so, yeah, that was uh, – I'll tell you, it was – um. You know, it was great to catch up with you guys again, and you know, I appreciate this. I listen to the podcast. I'm a fan of the show, and, um, you know, wish you guys uh, continued success with doing this. And hopefully once this whole uh, pandemic thing blows over, we'll be able to, to get back again, and um, maybe we can try to arm wrestle again, although I don't know if I'll have the, uh, the same success this time around. I think oh, you're gonna, you would find a way. So. <laughs> well, Scott, thank you so much. We appreciate it. All the best to you, sir. Yep, thank you, guys. Another show in the books here, Ken, and what a story from Scott Fedor, turning an unbelievable negative into an amazing positive and continuing on, finding a way. Where there's a will, there's a way, and he's certainly living proof of that. I know he, he talked about that Bruce Springsteen concert experience, and we had that on uh, Facebook earlier this week. What an amazing story that was, just part of this whole deal. Pretty cool. One of the people that he mentioned, Damien Ferentz, who's now a Catholic priest, the two of them just had a great relationship, would play music all the time, and you heard that story from Scott. But the opportunity, you know, Scott sending a letter out to Bruce Springsteen's band, letting them know, you know, hey, I'm going to come to your concert and we'll love the opportunity. I mean, he's, I mean, that's a life-changing moment for him, and obviously just great positive things have happened to him since then. And I, I tell you, every time I talk to him, I'm extremely motivated. He really just down and dirty. He talks about how things are. He's doing bad. He's doing great. Just a very positive influence in many people's lives. And if you have the opportunity to pick up his book or get his audio book, 
I highly recommend it. It's, it's very well done and very well written. Well, if you want to interact with us, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter are the places to do it. We're on all three. You can find us at 2-M-A-M-I-C-L-E, and we will be happy to interact with you. And next week on the show, Ken, you know what we have? You know what? I, I think it's going to be very similar to the way the election is. We're taking the theme of the election. We have no idea who's going to be on the show next week. We're cautiously optimistic with the show. That's where we're at. We're cautiously yes. optimistic that we'll be here to have another podcast. Yes, we will. All right. Well, until next week, Ken. We are Two Middle-Aged Men in Cleveland. Two Middle-Aged Men in Cleveland is sponsored by Anchor.fm. Everything you need to make a podcast in one place. And by Westminster AV. Custom audio-visual packages for all occasions.